This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello. Welcome to Living Your Big, Bold Life podcast, episode number six. Many of you have asked me, Bet, how can I take my gifts, passions, and experience and translate that into a profitable business? Well, today's guest may just be the bold and inspirational story you need to hear. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Hearts and Pearls owner, Desiree Alford. You probably have noticed that I often wear headbands. Many of those headbands are made by one of my favorite companies, Hearts and Pearls. Hearts and Pearls is a custom and handmade fashion-forward accessory line for the modern woman, child, and baby. Desiree grew up in Grace Harbor, Washington, which is where I grew up too. Upon graduating from high school, she moved to LA where she got her degree in fashion merchandising and design. Then she moved to San Diego where she received her degree in business administration. When her daughter Hartley was born, she had an idea to combine her two educations and follow her dreams of being successful, creative, and a stay-at-home mom. So there began Hearts and Pearls. Welcome, Desiree. I am honored to have you here today. Thank you so much, Beth. I'm excited to be here. So Desiree, let's just jump right in. Tell us your story and how this amazing, beautiful company that you have created all began. Okay. So, you know, I, like you talked a little bit about my education background that I went to fashion school and business school, and it would sound like I did those knowing I was going to have the business I did, but it completely kind of worked kind of backwards. I was in a totally different industry and I was actually in the medical spa industry and I ended up being pregnant and I was single and I was put in a situation that it was like my life kind of flashed before my eyes and all of a sudden it wasn't going exactly the way I dreamt. I mean, I think we've all been there that like, we're like, whoa, this isn't really what I've I planned for my life. I thought I'd be married and then have a kid. And so that was my situation. And for me, once I got in the situation of being pregnant and not being married, I really, it pushed me to a place I'd never been. And it really made me think about, okay, my first plan didn't work. How am I going to adjust what my dreams and goals are to this new situation? And once I Hartley was born, I remember being, I mean, obviously the gift of her was incredible, even though she was unplanned and she was born and I started making headbands for her just for fun. I had some free time before I was supposed to go back to work and people started asking me where, where I got these headbands. And I realized, you know, after probably the third or fourth time someone asked me, I'd always dreamed, you know, I was going to get married and have kids and I'd be a stay-at-home mom. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and I just always dreamed that for myself. And 
I thought that that was out the window for me once I got pregnant and I was single. I, I thought, wow, I'm going to have to work my butt off. I'm going to have to spend hours away from my, my daughter. Um, I don't have anybody to help me. It just was so scary. And in that moment, you know, when people started asking me, an idea popped in my head and it was like, wow, maybe, maybe I could try to sell these and maybe I can stay home with her. And that thought just kind of, all I can explain it was, was a God thing because it literally pushed me. And I think it's when, I mean, everybody, when you have a child, it's an incredible thing that happens. The love you have for that child, it's like you would do anything for it. And I think it was a combination of loving my daughter so much and wanting to do the best for her and wanting to provide the best I could for myself as well that I decided. I decided I was going to quit my job. I wasn't going to go back to work after my maternity leave. And I was going to start this business. And so <laughs> it just all happened. <laughs> it all happened full force. Like it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go full, full force with it. Oh, I love that. And so when was this? What year would this have been? Okay. So when the idea first came to my mind, it was in 2010, but I actually ended up starting the business in January of 2011. And Hartley was three months old at that time. Oh my gosh. So you, so you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going all in. My daughter's three months old. How did you even start? Did you just start making headbands like, uh, like mass production? How did you do it? Oh my gosh. So like, it's crazy because part of me laughs because when I think back, you know, it's been a little over eight years now that I've had hearts and pearls and it's crazy because part of me is like, how did I do it? But I mean, I'll tell you what I did. And it's like, I can't believe I really had the courage. I literally had a couple hundred dollars in my bank account when I quit my job. I didn't even have my own place to live in. I was living with my parents. And to make matters worse, my parents were losing their home. They were going through a huge financial, like it was after the 2008 stock market crash and all that. So we're talking 2010, people are still like having such a hard time. And my parents were losing their businesses and their houses. And I had to actually move out of my parents' house because they were losing that house and move in with my sister. And I moved in with my sister at the very end of December. I quit my job and I started Hearts and Pearls that January with a couple hundred dollars in my bank account. My sister, thankfully, let me live rent-free <laughs> because I literally didn't have any money. But in the beginning, no, I definitely couldn't hold any inventory. I definitely wasn't doing any mass production. It was, I didn't make your headband or hat until you paid for it because I literally didn't have the money to go buy the supplies. Right, right. And what, I mean... It's just so amazing that you just knew in your heart that I am going to do this. Like, I'm going to go after it. So, okay, so you have, you start the business. How did it progress? Like, how did you, like, like so many people, we always just hear the ending and we forget so often. They may see you on social media or they may see your business and they, and your website, and they may go, oh my gosh, I'm sure it just happened all overnight. And probably you start laughing. You're like, are you kidding me? So tell me what the first year of your business looked like and the steps you took. Okay. So, I mean, to be completely honest, when I started Hearts and Pearls, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start this business and it's going to provide for me and my daughter. Honestly, as far as I could think was, 
I'm going to start trying to sell these headbands. Hopefully it's going to buy me time to stay home with my daughter for a few months. And if I run out of money, I'll go find another job. That's how far I could think. So it wasn't like I was like thinking big. It was almost like, I'm going to do this and see where it goes, but I'm going to go full force with it. By the end of the first month was when I was like, whoa, there's something to this. Like I did a lot better than I I expected. It was going, I was enjoying it a lot more than I expected. It just seems like well, it was. It's like all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm using my business degree. I'm using my fashion degree. I wasn't really using either of those prior in my my career. And so it was like a perfect blend of those two. And I just slowly built from month to month. And each month it was like each month would double the month before. And that just kept happening. I grew fairly quick the first year. I mean, when you start from nowhere, it's easy to double your sales by I grew really quick. I didn't even have my first website until I was 10 months in to my business. So I literally was like, you know, slinging these headbands on Facebook and to friends and family, you know, up until month 10, where it's like, I need a place to host these, you know, pictures of these headbands, a place to I can ship them because I was just shipping them from my house. And yeah, so I built the website in the 10th month. And yeah, I remember also just that first December, because December is always such a great month for retail, November and December, just being really amazed that I started this business and wow, I can like being able to buy a top for myself or something like that. Like that was like some of the first accomplishments that I'm like, wow, I can spend a little money on myself. It's not just like the basics. Wow. And then now when you're looking back, do you think like you know, some people like the phrase, fake it till you make it. And then some people say, oh, I don't like that. I think it's work hard till you make it. How would you describe that first year? Was it a little of both? Was it one or the other? Like, what do you think? Yeah, definitely a little of both because I was so desperate for money. You know, I I just wanted to stay home with my daughter. And in the beginning, I was so desperate for money. I mean, if someone wanted me to make them something, I just said, yeah, and I figured it out after the fact. And I mean, I remember I was only really selling headbands and hats. And one guy reached out and he wanted me to sew his brand new newborn like grandson a sweater. I'd never sewn a sweater. I had no clue how to do that. But I also knew I could figure it out. And I had time, you know, and it was worth it to me at that time. And so a lot of in the first year, it was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'll figure it out. I knew I could reach out to people that could help me. You know what I mean? So it definitely was a little fake it till you make it. And then a lot of work your butt off. I mean, I worked, I worked so much and it just ended up being perfect because you know, that first year of having a baby, they can't really do much and you're home so much anyway. So I really feel like I really maximize that time that I couldn't do very much. And you are home with your child so much and was able to work a lot. Yeah. During like the nap times, I mean, I could see how that could just totally work at the same time. You're just so busy. No, one of my favorite authors, Marie Forleo, she says, everything is figure outable. And I actually kind of get I don't know if annoyed is the right word, but sometimes I'll hear critics say, oh, I hate the line, fake it till you make it. But then you literally hear their story and you're like, well, wait, you kind of had to fake it for a while. Like you didn't know everything. And 
And you also probably had to work really hard. Like it's kind of a combo of both. And I just love that you were just like, I'm going to figure this out. Like there's nothing I can't do. And I guess that's the confidence that I, I hope that every, like every woman out there has in my kids. I hope they have because really everything is figure outable. It really is, you know, and especially when you have that drive and that, that passion. And too often times we see someone who's successful and we assume they just are naturally gifted or naturally talented. And sure, like there are some things, you know, I, I probably could try as hard as I wanted and I, I'm probably not going to be Michael Jordan, but there's a lot of things that I can figure out. And I just love your attitude there. So, okay, now we're on year one, year one's done. How did you grow between after that first year and going forward? How did you scale and what did you do? Mm -hmm. So going into the second year, thankfully by that, when I was going into that second year, I was making enough money where I could finally move out and pay for a little rent. So that was a huge accomplishment. So that second year was huge because a few things happened. I was growing. People were wanting more and more things. I was the only one making them. I was the only one doing anything. I was doing everything from start to finish. And so I had, it started in me that I'm like, I need help. Like, I I can't, I can't do this. Like, but I also remember having some fear, like, how am I going to afford to get help? How, you know, so thankfully what ended up happening was I got my first wholesale order and I remember it was the first store I ever went to. It was a store I really wanted to be in. I honestly didn't think they were going to place an order. I thought I was going to go in there and I was going to learn from them. And they were going to tell me what I needed to do to either get into their store or to get into someone else's store. But they ended up placing an order. And I was like head over heels. I mean, it was like the check they wrote me. And they literally, they wrote me a check. And I remember leaving there and bawling because it was so much money for me at the time. And it was like 800 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. But you're like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And so I made every single piece of that wholesale order. A lot of it was like crochet hats by hand. And if anybody has any idea, that stuff takes a really long time. And it was after that wholesale order that I realized something has to change. Either I needed help or I needed to raise my prices because the time that it took to put that wholesale order out was just like incredible for just one person to do. And so I ended up hiring my first 1099. Actually, I just did a hired her one girl to help me sew and I paid her per piece. So whatever she sewed or made, I paid her per piece. And I could not believe after I hired her I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? Like it freed me up so much to be able to focus on other things in my business and then allowed me to grow more because when I'm doing that one wholesale order all by myself, I literally don't want any other orders coming in because I feel already overwhelmed. So it really allowed me to focus more on the other things in my business I needed to focus on. And so that kind of started like a domino effect. Like I ended up hiring a few more people right after that because I, I saw quickly how much I could grow once I had some help. Right. And at that time, how were you selling once you started to kind of grow? Were you selling most of your pieces at like shows on the website, a combo of both? What was kind of your biggest seller? How were you selling most of your pieces at that time? 
Up until that point, it was just all online. I hadn't even done my first show. I honestly, that year was like, how am I ever going to hold inventory? As soon as I make something, it sells, you know, because I didn't have the help. And so it wasn't until going into my third year in business that we started getting into these markets and shows and events where I did hold inventory and I just had more help and the ability that things were being made faster. And so it was no longer you pay for it and then we make it. It was like we started to have inventory on hand. And now fast forward to today, Hartley is how old now? So Hartley's eight. She's eight and a half. Oh, that's so crazy how time flies. So so fast forward to today, what does your business look like today? So today I still have a home office. It's like something that I will never change just because when I started Hearts and Pearls, I, you know, there was a couple, there's a couple very important things of why I started it. And it helps me remember to not forget the beginning and where, where I started. And that was, I started to give my daughter more time, more of me. And I didn't, I didn't start to be away from the house. So I will always have a home office and I honestly work here most of the time. We do have a facility about 10 miles away that makes a lot of the bulk orders for us. And then I have a couple girls that come over and help me work and we still ship everything out of my house. So now we also have a lot of retail accounts all across the U.S. And we do a lot of pop-up shops and events and fundraisers and we're still online doing online sales. So it's just the, we're doing everything. And your stuff is so, I mean, we'll tell you how to find Hearts and Pearls stuff at the end of this interview, but their stuff is so beautiful and it has such a unique look to it. It doesn't look like everything. And I think that people also love getting behind someone. And I think your story was so powerful. And I think that that was just as much part of the the reason you were successful, that you had this talent and this gift, but also people saw this single mom who was trying to make it. And I just think it's so powerful. So, okay. So you have these moms out there maybe, or someone out there and they are unexpectedly pregnant and single. What advice, what advice would you give them? I mean, and I don't know. I'm sure there's, you could talk forever on that topic, but I'm sure you get asked that a lot too. Like what, what advice would you give those in that kind of unexpected circumstance? I mean, first is I think our natural human instinct is when something happens, that's not in our plan is we label it as bad. And I've learned to not first to not label things, to not label even an angry emotion as bad. I've learned to not label situations as good and bad because that's just, you never know. The thing that can hurt you the most often ends up one of the best things that can ever happen to you. So for me, I would say, obviously, empathize with them and tell them I know exactly how they feel and how scary it is. And then I'd really encourage them to realize this happened for a reason and you're here for a reason and I don't have all the answers for you but this is going to end up being one of the best things for you. And I think we know just as being moms, like what mom couldn't say their child was one of the best things that happened to them. It's a little harder when you're in a financially tough situation to think, how can this be the best thing? But I truly believe pain puts us into a space we, we wouldn't be 
if it wouldn't happen. It also forces us to be somebody that we wouldn't have been if it didn't happen. And I am beyond amazed what humans are capable when we're pushed into certain situations. I think sometimes we're living the comfortable life and we don't realize what our potential is. We don't realize what we're capable of. And we are capable of so much more than we realize. Like, it is incredible what we are capable of. And so, yeah, I mean, I just really try to speak life into her and let her know it's happening for a reason. And then I'd obviously say, let me know how I can help you. Because a big part of my business now is one of the things I say is I love selling headbands. I love making headbands. I love fashion. I love designing but what I'm truly passionate about is using these headbands to help other people. And so a big part of Hearts and Pearls that we started doing in year four was I knew I needed to take the hope that Hearts and Pearls gave me and find a way to give that same hope to other people that are in hard situations. So we partner with different nonprofits seasonally, and we design a headband in their honor, and 100% of the proceeds goes back to that nonprofit and then we also just try to invest in our community. There's been several women that just have a very similar story to me. And my heart just really feels for them. And I just naturally want to do anything to help them. So that's what I work to do now. I work to, I love selling headbands and I love fashion. But what motivates me is helping other people and bringing other people hope. Because I know what it feels like to feel like your life is over. I mean, there was some really, really dark times, especially when I first got pregnant and I didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I knew from the very beginning that I wasn't going to have help from the father. So it wasn't even like, oh, you know, at least someone's in this with me. But it was a very dark place of I really struggled to even have my daughter. And so thankfully today, that pain motivates me. I mean, I can't tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I think, oh my gosh, look what I almost, almost didn't have. You know, when I look at Hartley, I almost, I I thought she was a mistake and she truly is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. She's taught me so much. She's given me so much. Her life brought me my business. Her life brought me my husband because if I wouldn't have started my business, I wouldn't have met my husband. My husband's a business coach and he was trying to sign me up for business coaching. So there's just, <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. So there's just so much that I've gotten because of her life and that I would have missed out on. And so that's just where my heart is with all of it. Oh, I love that so much. So in terms of as you were scaling your business, how did you learn like how to partner with a wholesaler? How did you learn how to like, I mean, you said you have like a facility now that makes your materials. How did you figure that out? I mean, that's just so amazing to me. Oh, I know. Believe me, when that when that was able to happen, it was like a whole different ball game because I did have six or seven different women helping me sew per piece. And we still have that. So we have some stay-at-home moms who make headbands on their own time and we pay them per piece. And But then we use our facility for the, the big bulk orders. And the way it happened was I just started to research companies in my area that did contract sewing. And honestly, it took me a super long time. And it's crazy, but it I ended up finding a place that was four miles from my house. I've moved since then, but it was four miles from my house. And I literally was like, how is this hole in the wall place here that I didn't know about 
the business didn't even have a sign on the building. Like if you went to this place, you would have no idea what's inside of it. He doesn't even try to get new accounts anymore. He doesn't really even work on fashion accessories. He's more works on like insulation bags and stuff for kind of industrial. Yes. Industrial stuff. So even when I brought our stuff to him, he was like, Oh, I've never really done anything like this, but we have everything we need, you know? And so I know we're his only account that has stuff like this. And, you know, we went in there with my team and we, we taught him and his team how to make our stuff and sign contracts and all the privacy agreements and non-compete and stuff like that. And it's been a huge, huge blessing to be able to have that help. Oh, I can only imagine. Hey friends, it's Bet. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now let's get back to our guests. All those probably late nights, early mornings of sewing and and here you're trying to like grow up your business. Like you said, if you're if you're so busy making these orders, it's really hard to grow and get the word out and manage your website. And so wow, I just think that's so impressive. So Today, what's next for Hearts and Pearls? What are you, I love that now you've been able to kind of give back to the community that, you know, supported you and and support those that feel like they're in a hopeless situation. That just is amazing. What's next product-wise or or goal-wise for Hearts and Pearls? Yeah, so we are, we're kind of at that spot that, we aren't going to grow anymore unless we make some big changes. So we've had a few orders, like big wholesale orders, we've had to turn down just because even this facility that we have isn't able to fulfill the order. So we are in the process of finding fulfillment that can fill like huge orders. We're actually in negotiation with some really exciting things right now. And But it sounds like we're going to have to go overseas. It wasn't ever something I realized I'd have to do at any point. But at this point, where we're at, to fulfill some of these orders, we would have to go overseas to fulfill it. And there isn't companies here that do it in the price point that we would need for a handmade product. Right, right. And I've seen that happen a lot once you start scaling to be able to compete in the reality of that. So now looking back, do you have people that also ask your advice like, hey, Desiree, like I have this dream or, hey, I, I, I get approached about this thing that I make, but do they start asking you questions and what advice do you give them? Someone who wants to start a business and doesn't even know where to begin. And again, you could probably talk about this forever, but what advice do you give that person who kind of has something on their heart? They have an item that they think is marketable. What advice would you share? Yeah, I mean, I I have had people come to me and ask for my advice, and I always love it because I, you know, I think about the Desiree eight and a half years ago that didn't know anything, and 
now someone's asking me what they should do. So it's always so uplifting and encouraging to feel like I can help somebody else. I mean, I always ask first, like, how passionate are you about this? Is this something you could see yourself doing for the rest of your life and you could be completely happy? Because a business is never anything you're going to that you're going to get rich quick. It's going to be something that grows slowly. And yes, there's those situations that for some reason they grew overnight, but if you're not passionate about it, then 5 years in, you're going to hate your job. And it's not and a lot, you know, a lot of people, especially if they've never had a business before, thankfully I grew up in a family of business owners, so I had some of this information that just the fallacy that you have more flexibility with business. That's true for me today, but that's after eight and a half years. In the beginning, I had a lot less flexibility because everything was dependent on me and my job was every single role. And there were so much tasks that had to be done that I hated doing. And so it's like, you can be passionate about this one thing, but is this something that you could do for the next 20 years and be completely happy? That's one thing I really like asking because you know, it's like, you got to really commit your life to this. It's not like you, you can just throw 20 hours a week at it and hope it grows. But this is something you're going to have to put 70, 80 hours a week in, in the beginning, and count on not making any money for first couple years. Right, right. And I think that it's really easy to stay motivated if you're just making tons of money and you're only doing the things you love about the job. And it's all the romantic side. But really, and you probably witnessed this with your parents as they were starting businesses and different things that there's a lot of things when you're starting a business that are not all romantic. And, and so if you don't have that, like you said, that passion and that drive behind you, it's really easy for it to probably not work because you've got to kind of be willing to put that passion to work. Yeah. You got to be willing to do that. And you really have to be willing to give up a big portion of your life because it really, when you're building it, a startup, especially on your own, it's, it, it takes all of you. And I honestly don't know if I would have been able to do it if I had a husband at the time. Cause I remember thinking like, I have a daughter and there's me and I'm building this business. And I remember thinking there's no way I had time for a husband. I mean, then people would say, well, the husband would help you with the daughter and he would have money to provide. And that creates flexibility. And I'd be like, yeah, but I wouldn't be able to give him any of my time. And then again, would I be as motivated if I had a husband because I could fall back on him? So mine was the perfect situation where I had to make it work. I had nothing to fall back on. And I think those situations can be some of the greatest gifts because it's like I had no other choice. And sometimes it's easy when you have things to fall back on. Totally. Like you said, you know, as humans, we want to go, we want to be comfortable. We don't like putting ourselves out there. And, you know, I saw something really similar. My parents divorced when I was quite young and my mom worked and she was a writer. And I really believe some of her most beautiful work was during that time when it was all on her. And it was kind of my mom and I against the world. And it's funny that you kind of tell that story about you and Hartley and your unexpected pregnancy. I always give that advice to people that are going through a divorce. And I always tell them, you know, I know it's going to sound like I'm encouraging divorce. I'm totally not encouraging divorce. But I don't know where many of my bad traits came from, but I will tell you that a lot of my strengths in life and characteristics 
I really believe were born out of that situation. So not only I credit that, and I know that sounds crazy, but I bet partly as she grows up is probably going to say something pretty similar. She's going, she gleaned a lot of what you had to do, all the sacrifices you had to make. And that's what I always encourage people when they're in those unexpected or unplanned situations is that now look at me. I have two step parents that I love dearly. I have siblings that I would have never, ever had. I have this huge extended family. And yes, divorce can be a really sad and devastating thing, but it's because we're looking at it at that moment in time. We don't have the ability to see the future and see all the gifts that can come out of a really hard time. So I want to kind of jump topics now. So one of the messages that we try to emphasize on living your big, bold life is the importance of taking care of your health as a mom. Because what I see a lot of times is that moms, in an effort to kind of lay down their life for their child and, and serve others and give back to the world, they often have to put their themselves last. And sometimes that means taking a toll on their health. And then unfortunately, I see it kind of trickle into all those areas, whether it is the health of their marriage, the health of their career, the health. And they never thought that those would be related. I'm sure that it was hard to probably find time for your health when you were creating this business. But do you agree with that? I mean, do you, first of all, do you agree that health plays a big role in, in your other areas of your life thriving? And then second, kind of tell us a little bit about what your health journey is like today. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I want to say like 150% because for me, and I think this is for <laughs> for most people, if I'm not taking care of myself, you know, no one in, in my life is getting anything good from me. My business can't grow. I'm not being the mother I want to be. I'm not being the wife I want to be. And so, you know, when it was just Hartley and I, I mean, I have so many memories of running with her in the jogging stroller. And, you know, I grew up playing sports. And so maybe that was a small gift that I had that I knew what cardio and making myself do activities felt like. So I knew the difference between like being in a sport and one in the difference between maybe the times of my life where I was more lazy. And I just knew I was someone that I have to stay active. Like it really helps my mind. It really helps my focus. I'm someone that's like on the go and I just kind of need that as an outlet. So thankfully that wasn't like a huge lesson I had to learn early, but for me where I'm at is I think before I could fall into like, oh, I, I'm really good at it for a certain amount of time and then I fall out of it. And now it's much more of a way of life for me. And I just try to make it fun. So my dad told me told me this when I was pretty young and it's always stuck with me, but he told me, Desiree, you're someone that's always going to have to work out. And I didn't really know what that meant. I remember asking him later and he's like, you're just someone that needs that as an outlet. And I was like, that's so true. It is. And I think we all do. I think we all do. And we're just not as much aware of it, of how much we need an outlet, whatever it is, some sort of active outlet that we get to, you know, whether it's a hobby that we get to move our body. But for me, I, I like doing lots of different things. (laughs) So I'm kind of like a, I couldn't, you know, back in the day, all I did was just run outside and jog. I mean, I couldn't afford to have a gym membership or anything like that. So 
Now, thankfully, I get to have a little bit of variety. And so I still do a little bit of running outside. I love hot yoga. I usually do that once a week. And I have a membership at Orange Theory. And I do that usually once a week. And then I just have a regular gym membership. And for me, I have kind of set some goals. I wouldn't recommend, I feel like everybody has knows what's best for them once they because I, I can tell you what I do, but I don't know if this is best for everybody. I just know it's best for me. So for me, and I don't want to make anybody think you should be doing what I'm doing. It's just, I just know myself and I have to work out like 30 minutes a day, every day. And I feel it when I miss a day or two and I'm not the best person I am. And I also have to eat very, very cleanly and be very specific about what I put in my body because sugar makes me really depressed and gluten makes me really lethargic. And I've just learned this, this stuff over the years. And it's taken me a while to really realize like, okay, I can't put that stuff in my body if I'm going to be a hundred percent. And so I operate the best when I stay away from sugar and gluten and I'm staying active. So I love, first of all, I want to go back to like the fact that you do orange theory yoga and have a gym membership. And I actually do something pretty similar. And I tell people that for my personality, I kind of need options. And some people will say, well, that seems expensive. And I say, I hear you and I can empathize. And there may have been times in my life where I couldn't afford three places, but actually my yoga place is a punch card. So I'm not really paying a base membership, but I'm always like, but let's really talk about the amounts here, people. If I could sacrifice my Starbucks a few times a week, there's one of those memberships. I mean, really at the end of the day, I think it's really where, how are we prioritizing that? And if working out and moving our body isn't fun and we're not enjoying it, we're not going to do it. So, you know, some people can do the same thing every single day and that works for them. And, but for me, I'm like you, I kind of, I do an orange theory class. I might go to yoga. I might go to a bar class. Like I kind of have to mix it up. And then I just also want to encourage people that if that's how you are, try to, figure out where you can save the money somewhere else and use it for that purpose. Because it's been such a gift now to say, oh, well, yeah, I really don't feel like Orange Theory today. I just really need to relax, but also get a workout in. And hot yoga just sounds so nice on a cold, rainy day in the Northwest. So, and then I want to, I really love your comment about, you know, what your body needs. And it just sounds like to me, you're really listening to it because I look back at times in my, like, especially like in my twenties and, you know, here I thought I was healthy, but I look back and I was, you know, drinking too much. I was, then I would eat like crap the next day, you know, like I would eat like, and then it was like, I had a hollow leg and it was like, I was more tired. And now it's like, I know what those things make me feel like. And I am choosing to say, okay, well, if you choose to eat that or you choose to drink what, you know, more than you should, this is how you're going to feel the next day. And do you want to have more energy for your children and, and to give back and for your job? Or do you want to feel like crap, you know? And so I love that. And I think that's all a part of our health journey is to figure out 
what makes us feel our best and be our best. And everyone's a little different, you know, like I have some friends that can eat all the carbs in the world, but, but they eat really low fat and that works for them. And then I have some friends who are practically carnivore and they, that works for them. And I think that if I can hope for anything on this podcast is that I want people to be able to figure out what works for them and their bodies that they feel the best. So good. So good. Because it wasn't until I started to have like some minor health things going on that I started to really pay attention to it. Like stuff that's like, you know, I've never really been overweight. I mean, you know, five to 10 pounds, but stuff started to happen to me where I was like, had adult acne and I had restless legs. And I just thought, well, this is weird that this is happening now. Like I never had acne before. I've never had restless legs. And I knew in my mind, well, it had to be something that I either was around or something I was putting in my body, you know? And so it took me a while to like slowly take stuff out of my diet and see how I responded. And I was actually, that's what got me really intrigued with how food affects us and how by not eating certain things, (laughs) you can feel so much better. You can take away your acne, you can take away your restless legs. And I was like, holy crap, like, it makes me just motivated to figure it all out. Like, how do I operate my best? And, you know, if I can just get rid of that stuff. And I heard Brene Brown on a podcast talk about because she she doesn't drink at all. And I don't drink at all either. And so I was assuming like her mind must be a little bit like mine, like an all or nothing mentality. And she was talking about, she was talking about how she doesn't eat bread. And people are like, Oh my gosh, you don't eat bread. How do you do that? And she talked about how she puts it in this category of like, that's just not something she does. And it's not like even a temptation anymore. And so that's kind of something I try to do. Like, this is really embarrassing, but I'll give you an example because it's like, we'll we'll totally show you guys how hillbilly I am from Grace Harbor. (laughs) 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 But okay. So my dad died a couple years ago, actually two years ago today. It's crazy, but it's two years ago today. And my dad's favorite drink was Diet Coke. Before he died, I was really good about not drinking Diet Coke because I obviously know there's a bunch of crap in it that is bad for you. <laughs> After he died, I gave myself permission. I literally said out loud and told myself, it reminds me of my dad and I'm going to let myself drink it. And I thought this will go on for maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month, whatever. It's It makes me feel close to my dad. Well, I literally was Uber eating Diet Cokes to my house and I got so addicted to it that this went on until about 40 days ago. <laughs> so it's just, it cracks me up because I'm working out every day. I'm like the no sugar, the, you know, no gluten. And I got it all down. And then all of a sudden I, you know, I'm realizing like, how come I'm still feeling off, you know? And that's when I realized I've been allowing myself to drink Diet Coke because it makes me feel close to my dad, which is so odd because I'm sure the Diet Coke had something to do with his death. And I'm like, I don't think I've went two weeks without a Diet Coke in that time. And I told my husband after I like had really thought about it, like how important is this to me? And I'm, that's the type of person I am. I run through things through my head. And when, the, and then when I say them out loud, that's when it's like, it's a reality for me. And I stick to my word 
And once it's out loud, it's like, okay, it's go time. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I thought about it and I'm like, I really need to stop. This is hard. I really like it. I'm obviously addicted to it, but I realized like, it's not worth it to me. And I, I told my husband when I first told him, he looked at me and he was like, Oh my gosh, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking diet Coke. I'm, I'm going to commit to not drinking it for the rest of 2020. And <laughs> when I first said it, like, it was like, I know it's scary, but you know, like on day three or four, the cravings were gone. And now when I see people drinking soda or diet Coke, honestly, it does not look appetizing to me and I feel bad for them. Right. It's really weird. It takes us a while, but like, that's what I want to encourage someone to hear this so loud and clear because we all have our versions of diet Coke. There's all something. And you know, your story about that it felt made you feel connected to your dad. I actually think that's more common than you know, because especially I don't want to make it a gender thing because I, I'm not a guy. So maybe it's a guy thing too, but I can't tell you the number of women who will say, oh, eating this one food makes me comforted and feels like I'm with my grandma again who raised me. Or So I think that's actually really normal. But I also think it's powerful that you had this really strong habit and it probably wasn't easy at first. And now you're like, I know I feel better when I don't do it. I can remember that that is better. Feeling like this is better than the feeling it gave me to drink it, even though, you know, it's kind of that short-term versus long-term. So I guess I could totally relate because I think we all have, we all have that Diet Coke, whatever that is. And for a lot of us, it might be Diet Coke or whatever it may be. So I think it's just really cool that you were like, I'm just, nope, it's in the, it's, I'm not going to do it. My husband went gluten-free Quite a few years ago, just uh, kind of randomly, he's always had heartburn, like his whole life, heartburn, heartburn. And he would just pop like antacid pills and all that stuff when we were dating and, and first marrying. <laughs> How attractive. And I know. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? Like what? And he, I'd say, hey, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong? He's like, oh, my heartburn's just so bad. And I was like, oh, man, you know, and I didn't think much of it. I just thought like, you know, that's just something he's had to deal with. So we started doing CrossFit and, you know, at that time it was really big to go paleo and to go gluten-free and all of that. So he's just like, oh, I'll go gluten-free for a while. I'm not joking. His, all of his symptoms and issues completely went away. Completely. Like he has never had to take another pill since then, unless he decides uh, one night he was like, we were at a friend's house and they had nothing else to eat except pizza. And he's like, well... I'm going to just do it. I'm going to have two pieces of pizza. And he did it. And this was years ago. I mean, I want to say it was like five or six years ago. It was so bad again that he's like, yeah, I'm not even bothered. Like, I don't even miss like gluten full beer or or I don't even miss like I, I feel so much better without it that it's not even a temptation now. But it, I'm sure, you know, it's not easy at first anytime that – but. Well, this has been so wonderful to have you here and share your story. It is just so inspiring. And I guess to end today, if people are listening, what would you like to tell them on living boldly and encouraging them to do that, whether career or 
health or family. I think your story exemplifies it, but is there any kind of last words or last advice you'd like to share? Yeah, I think I'd just say if there's something you've been thinking about that I know so many of us are stuck in a job that we're not happy at. And that, that like, it breaks my heart when I think about that because we spend so many hours a day working and we spend so much of our life working. And so if you're thinking about something you're passionate about and you're thinking about something you'd rather do, I mean, I, I would encourage you to take a, a leap of faith. And I like to simplify things. And faith is the opposite of fear. And it's just stepping out and believing in something that you can't see at this moment, but you could make a reality you know, within a year. And so step out in faith. And I'm like you, Beth, I believe like, you know, we are capable of so much and you can learn anything, you know, anything you want to learn, you can learn, you can get on the internet and learn it. And so if they're in that situation, it's like, you can figure it out. There's people around you that'll help you out and you just got to go for it. I mean, this is the one life you got to live and why not, why not go for it? Oh, Desiree, I love that so much. Faith is the opposite of fear. I cannot think of any words better to end today's interview. Thank you, Desiree, for being here today. Thank you so much, Bet. Thank you for listening today. For more motivation on living boldly, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends... Be you boldly. The world needs you.